0: It's good to be with you today, and I'm Diane Thatcher, in case you didn't know that. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad that you are here, and if you're watching online, I'm so glad that you're watching with us and that you've joined us today as well. We are continuing our sermon series soundtrack, and we've been talking about each one of us has um, a soundtrack or a loop that plays in our minds and in our heads. And we're trying to change that. That's one of the things that we're, we're looking at through this series. And sometimes those soundtracks can motivate us, and they can help us move forward, and sometimes, oftentimes, those soundtracks can hold us back or try to drag us down. And so the soundtrack that we're going to explore today flows out of feelings of worry and anxiety and things that can leave us overwhelmed, like coming out and dropping your water and not having your microphone turned on. <laughs> But, you know, (laughs) that's just me. (laughs) Mental health, that's an important thing to us, right? In recent years, anxiety is something that has been on the rise. And we're hearing a lot about it. And we're talking a lot about it. And it's happening across the board and across all ages. And some research is connecting the rise of anxiety to the accelerating rate of change in our world. And those same experts are saying, that you know, our world is seeing an unprecedented um, acceleration of change. Because in the last 30 years, we've had more change than in the last 300 years, and it's continuing to accelerate. So if you feel like things are moving fast, they are. Yeah, and that's probably why we feel it. Um, there's an economist, John Maynard Keynes, made this prediction in 1930. He said, for the first time since his creation, man will be faced with his real, his permanent problem, how to use his freedom from pressing economic cares, how to occupy the leisure which science and compound interest will have won for him to live wisely and agreeably and well. Sounds so nice. Now, compare that to a more recent statement on the accelerating rate of change made in 2021 by Jeffrey West, who's a theoretical physicist and researcher, and he does TED Talks, and he says this, rather than being bored to death, our actual challenge is to avoid anxiety attacks, psychotic breakdowns, heart attacks, and strokes resulting from being accelerated to death. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no wonder we're feeling kind of anxious. I mean, let me ask you, what are the soundtracks that keep you awake at night? What goes through your head? Do any of these loops sound familiar to you? I feel like I'm just treading water. I'm drowning in my worries. I'm at the end of my rope. Nothing ever goes the way it's supposed to go for me. I'm just so tired. I'm so stressed. It's all up to me. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm worried for my, you can fill in the blank, my kids, my parents, my marriage, my family, the next election, the next pandemic, the next test results, the state of the country, the state of our world. I'm worried because I'm worrying so much. I just can't handle anymore. Can you relate? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I sure can. And this week in particular, I've been stressing all week, true confessions, just trying to get out of God's way so that I could have something meaningful to say to you today or something meaningful that God could say through me today. And it's interesting because as soon as I knew I was going to be teaching on this topic, guess what? I started to become anxious. Yeah, I kicked a chair yesterday, not in, on purpose, <laughs> I should say that, not intentionally, I just walked into it, I think I broke my toe, so if you see me limping, that's probably why, but, um, <laughs> but yes, I fall into a category of people who are wired to become overwhelmed more easily than some. You know, it's something that I've had to admit to myself, and I, I do not like it, But I had to admit it some years ago, and I can say that I'm better than I used to be, but weeks like this past one make me realize that I still have a ways to go. And I think people who are prone to become overwhelmed more easily usually fall into two categories, one of two categories, people pleasers and perfectionists. And I'm a little special because I have a little of both. People pleasers, right? We we don't like to disappoint. We don't want to say no to people, and so we just keep letting things get piled on. You know, a former pastor of the church was trying to point this out to me very kindly um, many years ago, and he called me into his office, and he was like, hey, can you help me? I just, I'm moving some things, and he started putting books in my arms, and putting books and putting a few more books and putting a few more books. I'm standing there, and pretty soon the books are like up to here, and I'm like, whoa, wait, I can't, I can't hold anymore. He said, oh, I was wondering when you were going to say enough is enough. <laughs> Ouch. Perfectionists. Right? We're hardest on ourselves. And there's that desire to be in control, and that's part of being a perfectionist. And that's one that's hard for me to admit. Because I have this internal, ongoing dialogue that says, I'm not controlling, I don't need to be in control, and I really think that's true. But then I also know that I don't like it when things are outside of my control. So, you know, I guess that pretty much settles it. (laughs) Busted. But maybe I'm not alone. Maybe you're prone to worry, or to feel anxious, or to be easily overwhelmed as well. Anybody? Please say I'm not alone. (laughs) Oh, we deal with the normal crazy things of everyday life, everything that life throws at us on a daily basis. And then we live in a world where we're bombarded with bad news 24-7. And it's nothing new. In Job chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, it says this, For hardship does not spring from the soil, nor does trouble sprout from the ground. Yet people are born to trouble, as surely as sparks fly upward. (sighs) Probably safe to say no one's gonna be rushing out to embroider that on a pillow anytime soon. (laughs) Yeah speaking of things that we're not going to put on a pillow, years ago, Bob Newhart, anybody remember who Bob Newhart is? OK, he's a comedian, um, did a skit for Comedy Central. And in it, he plays a therapist, giving some very unhelpful advice to a client. And it's been running through my head all week. And I debated, should I show it, should I not show it? Um, but I just want you to bear with me. It's a really old video, um, just took a little snippet of it, so take a look, and then I'll tell you why it has stuck with me for so many years.
1: Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? no no but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible i mean i can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house anything boxy so what what you're saying is you're uh, you're claustrophobic uh yes yes that's it all right well uh, let's go catherine i'm uh I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I-, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well,
0: shall I uh, write them down?
1: Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. <laughs> <laughs> OK. You ready? Yes. OK, here are are. Stop it! <laughs> sorry stop it stop it yes s-t-o-p new word i-t so what are you saying <laughs> you, you know it's funny I, I, I say two simple words and i cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying i mean this you know this is not yiddish Catherine. this is english stop it so i should just stop it there you go I mean, you you, you you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! But
0: I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since no, no, childhood. No, no,
1: no. We, no, we, we don't go there. Just just stop it.
0: So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box?
1: You got it. Good girl.
0: Just stop it! <laughs> It's terrible, right? I mean, we chuckle because we're horrified. If a therapist really actually said that to someone, we would be horrified. Just stop it. But it has stuck with me because sometimes I think that is the message that we hear in our head. Or sometimes it's the message that the church projects to the world. Or sometimes it's the message that we consciously or unconsciously, project to each other. Just stop it. Are you feeling anxious or overwhelmed as a believer? Just stop it. And if you can't just stop it, then you begin to feel guilty and overwhelmed because you're anxious. See, the fact is, if you're alive, then you're going to deal with things that create stress and worry and anxious thoughts if you're alive. I think that includes most of us here. (laughs) If we're alive, at some point or another, we're going to deal with the death of a loved one, a stressful work environment, conflict with friends or family, financial stress, health concerns, major life changes, loss of a job, starting a new job, becoming the empty nester, retirement, starting a new school, going away to college, becoming new parents, getting older. Life can and will overwhelm us from time to time, but I have some good news for us today. We can change the soundtrack that threatens to keep us in a state of anxiety, but before we begin to unpack that, let's just take a moment and let's just pray. Father God, You spoke creation into being. And Jesus, you spoke to storms. And would you speak into ours today? Father, open our hearts and our minds. Don't let me say anything that is not true to your word. Bless this time and help us to hear you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just a caveat uh, that I feel like I need to say, I have great respect for good therapists and the healing work that they do. So I want to make a clear distinction that we're not talking about how to treat a clinical illness that requires therapy or medication by a professional, uh, trained professional, but rather we're talking and acknowledging the very real anxieties and worries that come with everyday life. See, we live in the tension of two realities one hand, life is wonderful, isn't it? I mean, life is exciting, and it's fulfilling, and that's what Jesus promises. He says, I've come so that you could have life, that you could have it to the fullest, that you could have life abundant. But then Jesus also said, in this world, you will have trouble. See, I think um, the scripture I want to look at today, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 illustrates and pulls together the tension of these two realities in a really exciting way. Just a bit of backstory for Philippians. Uh, It's found in the New Testament. It's a pastoral letter written by the Apostle Paul, and he's writing it from a prison cell in Rome to the believers in Philippi. And in uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, he writes this, "'Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything.'" Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, and his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Now, when you read those words, and for some of you it sounded like it, does it motivate you? Does it encourage you? Or does it just sound impossible? I mean, sometimes... Maybe if we're honest, we say we read, don't worry about anything, and then we just stop right there. Like, and we immediately feel defeated. I mean, couldn't Paul have written, trying to worry just a little bit less? (laughs) I mean, at least that feels doable, right? Don't worry about anything. Come on, Paul, give me a break. In fact, Philippians 4 6 is actually pretty prescriptive for a lifestyle that Paul is offering to the believers in Philippi. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. He's saying if you can worry about it, you can pray about it. And I think this is where we we have to do our homework. We gotta dive a little deeper into what Paul is saying. Because if you were raised in the church, that you were taught that Christian life leads to peace. That's true. But then when we don't have peace, we assume that there's something wrong with us. And we run the risk of viewing worry and anxious thoughts as sin. And that is not what Paul is saying here at all. I want you to hear me. Anxiety isn't a sin. Being anxious isn't a sin. It's an emotional signal to let you know that you need to do something. For example, if the warning light goes off in your car... You don't go, ooh, that light, he's my enemy, that darn light. No, what do we do? We look in the owner's manual. We take the car to the dealership or to the manufacturer. It's a signal letting us know that we need to take some kind of action for the good of our car. So anxiety is a signal alerting us to take some action for our own good. And Paul would say anxiety or worry is a signal alerting you that it is time to pray. Another thing to note here is that when Paul is writing this, he's writing in the present active tense. And we go, well, what difference does that make? Well, it implies an ongoing state. So maybe a better gloss of this verse would be something like, don't let anything in life leave you perpetually filled with anxiety. Don't let anything leave you in a state of perpetual worry. See, Paul is saying, when you find yourself filled with anxiety, the action that is going to move you forward and keep you from getting stuck there is prayer. Max uh, Lucado, in his book, Anxious for Nothing, he says this about anxiety. He says, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. So why prayer? Why would prayer be the key? Why is it prayer that is going to move us forward when we start to spiral down into worry or anxiety? Well, prayer is more than just words, right? It's more than just words that we're saying. Prayer is the action that brings us into the community of a Heavenly Father who loves and cares about us and desires the best for us. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety, all your cares upon him, upon God, for he cares for you. And this word cast, it's like, it's like you're wearing this heavy coat and you're just throwing it off. You're throwing off this mantle, this weight of worry, and giving it to God. And then verse 5, because I don't think you can look at 6, 7 without looking at verse 5 in, in Philippians 4. It gives some additional insights into what paul is thinking and why he's saying we can uh you know that we don't have to worry or that we can be anxious for nothing and he says this remember in verse five the lord is near and sometimes we forget this but we need to remember that we are not alone and so maybe we paraphrase this um, up to this point remember the lord is near So don't get stuck in a perpetual state of worry. Instead, go to God and talk to him about what you need. So why is it important to remember that the Lord is near in a high state of anxiety? Because one of the first lies of the enemy that will keep us in the prison of worry is the lie that we are alone and that God has abandoned us and that he doesn't care. One of my favorite stories is found in 1 Kings, chapters 18 and 19. And this is a great story. It's a really long story, so we don't have time to go into it all here. But I just encourage you, if you have time, pick up your Bible, read, or your phone and read 1 Kings 18 and 19. You won't regret it. Great story. Um, But I'm just going to kind of smoosh it down into just a little section today. In chapter 19, we find the prophet Elijah. He's running for his life. He's had this huge throwdown with the prophets of Baal. and Spoiler alert, God wins. Uh, But it puts Elijah in danger for his life. And so he's running for his life. He's physically, emotionally, everything exhausted. And 1 Kings 19.3 says that he runs. He finally gets to some place where there's some shade. He sits under it, and he's so overwhelmed that he prays to die. And he says this, "'I have had enough, Lord.'" Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. 1 Kings 19.5. Elijah is at the end of his rope. And by the way, you'll hear some people tell you that that it says in the Bible that God won't give us more than we can handle. Just a clue. It doesn't say that. So, it doesn't say that. Just so you know. (laughs) The Bible is full of stories over and over of people who are overwhelmed by the circumstances of life if they're trying to face it on their own. But what I wanted to focus on here is not so much Elijah, but God's response to Elijah. See, God doesn't scold him or ask him about his faith. God treats him with great compassion. He sends an angel to provide food and nourishment and rest until Elijah can regain his strength. Then Elijah goes to, the, to Horeb, to the mountain of God. And he's hiding in a cave. And in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 12, it says this, and just kind of hone in here. It says, The Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper, and that was God. Powerful demonstrations, earth, wind, and fire. I mean, no wait, wind, earthquakes. (laughs) Just checking to see if you're still with me. powerful demonstrations of God's power, a mighty wind, earthquakes, fire. God had all of these options, but he chooses to come to Elijah in a whisper. Why? That's just my thinking here. But one thing I know, you have to be in really close proximity to someone to speak to them in a whisper. And I think that's the point. See, when we're struggling we wish god would show up in big and powerful and dramatic ways but in my experience it doesn't work that way a lot of times i can very rarely hear god's voice until i silence my own i think god in the most personal way is letting elijah know that he is not alone that god is with him that he is intimately close close enough To whisper in his ear and then god and elijah start to have a conversation see paul says pray about everything and sometimes i think we forget that prayer is supposed to be a conversation it's about our relationship with god and our desire his desire to be with us that creates our desire to be with him and god reminds elijah he says you know you're not alone by the way he says, I'm here, but also, you know, there's 7,000 people that are still faithful, and I'm going to give you a helper. His name is Elijah, and you're going to mentor him because he's going to be your successor. It's important to remember that we're not alone, that God is with us, and that he gives us a family of believers to be a part of as well. <clears throat> Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Have you ever found yourself feeling overwhelmed by things going on in your life? And then you talk to somebody else, and they start telling you about their stuff, and their stuff is like really a lot worse than your stuff. And all of a sudden, you don't feel so bad about what you're going through. Has that ever happened? It happens to me a lot. Well, it's called perspective, right? It's an important lesson. Robert Fulgham, in his book, "Uh Uh-oh, Some Observations from Both Sides of the Refrigerator Door. Great title wrote the following about finding perspective. He says this, one of life's best coping mechanisms is to know the difference between an inconvenience and a problem. If you break your neck, if you have nothing to eat, if your house is on fire, then you got a problem. Everything else is an inconvenience. Life is inconvenient. Life is lumpy. But a lump in the oatmeal and a lump in the throat and a lump in the breast are not the same kind of lump. And one needs to learn the difference. Perspective. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Gratitude has the power to change our perspective. When we acknowledge that everything we are, everything we have, comes from God, it changes the way we look at life. There's a anonymous quote out there that says, the enemy of worry is gratitude. And I think Paul models that for us in Philippians in this letter. Um, In the very beginning of the letter, uh, we see his perspective on how he's looking at his circumstances in light of gratitude to God. And he says this in chapter 1, verse 12. He says, and I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. This is Paul writing from prison. And he's like so thankful because he's like, hey, you know what? All the palace guard, they're hearing about Christ because I'm here in prison. And guess what? All the believers, they've got more confidence now because they're seeing what's happening and how the gospel of Christ is being spread. And they're now talking out with confidence and boldly sharing God's message without fear. Isn't that great? Look how God is using my circumstances. Paul models this lifestyle this prescription for how to deal with anxiety that life produces he says remember the Lord is near so don't get stuck in perpetual state of worry instead go to God and tell him about your concerns recount all the ways that God has been faithful in the past and be sure to thank him for all he has done And then he says this, and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. So the question for us, what is that peace? One thing we know is different from what the world offers. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, I do not give as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. So what is God's peace? When he says the peace of God, what are we talking about? We're talking about a peace that the world can't give and a peace that the world can't take away, right? The world didn't give it, so the world can't take it away from us. It's the peace of God. And I think the peace of God is threefold. First is the most important because if we don't have this one, we don't have the other two. But we have peace with God. And that means the cessation of hostilities, that we are reconciled to our Heavenly Father, that we have surrendered our life to Jesus. In Romans 5.1, it says, Therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. So we surrender ourselves to Jesus, and we have peace with God. Relationship restored. And because of that, it says we can have peace within. Emotional peace. It's not the absence from storms, but it's peace in the middle of the storm. Where we learn that we can trust God. Where we learn that we have a choice, that we can surrender to worry, or we can surrender our worry or our anxious thoughts to God. And then the third piece is just peace with each other. See, when we have the peace of God, the peace with God, and the peace within, then the Holy Spirit living through us helps us to have peace with each other, that we have a relational peace through the Holy Spirit as we grow more and more like Jesus. Peace with God, peace within, peace with others, beyond exceeding our understanding, flows out of trust. God's antidote for worry is trust. He wants us to trust him in every situation and to surrender our anxious thoughts to him. So trust is the key to experiencing God's peace. And I want you to hear these steps one more time because I really do think this is prescriptive for life. Remember that the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. And enjoy, experience God's peace, peace that also comes with a promise. Because as we live this lifestyle of trust, it says his peace, God's peace, will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful promise? That his peace will guard our hearts and our minds. There will be safety there. So here's your homework. (laughs) get homework each week. When you start to feel anxious, when you start to worry, pray. That's all I'm going to give you. You start to worry, you start to feel anxious, pray. If you worry, pray. If you worry, pray. Pray some more. (laughs) If you start to feel anxious, pray. Just stop and pray and see what happens. See how God shows up for you. See how that habit begins to develop some peace Your heart, some peace of God within you, and then thank God for what He has done. So, if you can worry about it, you can pray about it. So, you start to get anxious, pray. You start to worry, pray. And that's probably a good lead in to closing out our service with prayer. (laughs) So, I want to pray for you. I know that some of you are here. I know. That you probably walked in with some anxious thoughts, or maybe some worry on your heart today, and I want to pray for you. I want to pray specifically for you right now. So, just going to ask us to to close our eyes. If you want to raise your hand, if you want to stand up, I don't. It doesn't matter to me. Um, but I want to pray for you if you are in a place where you're feeling overwhelmed, or you're feeling anxious, or you're feeling worry. So let's pray together. Father God, we know that we're here all together and there's all kinds of things going on in each of our lives. And that some of us walked in here today and we were overwhelmed. Some of us walked in here with anxiety or with anxious thoughts. And we just want to bring them to you right now. And Father, for each person here, for each, each one, for whatever they're dealing with, whatever worry or anxiety that they're struggling with right now, God, I just want to stop and I just want to pray for them, for each one. I'm praying for you, for each one of you today. We know that life can be hard. But God, we know that you are the source of peace. And we're so thankful to you. I pray right now, I just lift up each one today. In this room or watching online, I pray that no matter what you are facing right now, that you would remember that the Lord is near. And God, as we take a deep breath, we just want to inhale you and your love and your presence. And we want to exhale out all the worry and the anxiety, Lord. Help us not to be weighed down. Help us not to get stuck. Help us not to worry perpetually or in a state of perpetual anxiety. But Help us to come to you in prayer about everything. And we thank you, God, that you are the same. <laughs> Even in a changing world, you're the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And so we thank you that you care about the things that we bring to you. And so we bring our needs to you right now. We lift them to you. We speak them to you. And we thank you because we know that you will take care of all of our needs just as you have done in the past and we trust that you will do in the future. May we go from this place with your peace and the promise that you go with us.